the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. There must be a new kind of church. The old church is dead. Its institutional forms are being dismantled. If there's going to be a new kind of church, there must be a new kind of virtue. What do I mean? We find in chapter one of the book of the church, the book of the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts. We find the disciples standing they have watched Jesus just ascend into the heavens. For the past three years, they have walked with Jesus. They have even slept outdoors with him. They have endured all kinds of utter disruption in their lives. They have no normal life left. And they've done this because they believed that Jesus was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And he was going to be the king. And they believed that they would have a part in that kingdom. But now Jesus has left. He's gone. They stand looking up into the sky, into the clouds, where Jesus has just disappeared. Then suddenly... Two men dressed in white, obviously angels. They say to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into the heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. Then they return to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives. The Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. There's Peter and John and James and Andrew. There's Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Judas son of James. They all they all with a company of believers in Jesus, 120 people, all from Galilee. Not from Jerusalem. They had a funny brogue that they spoke with. They all joined together and they began to pray. Jesus' mother was there. His brothers were there. And they began to pray. We're going to have to come for a new kind of church. Face 
face-to-face with the question, will we submit to Jesus and his gospel of the kingdom or will we pursue a worldly life? Now, that question is not extremely troubling to American Christians because they have found a third way. They have found that they can be a part of the church and continue to pursue their worldly life. They've found that they can be in both worlds. They can be in the church and they can be in the world. And this is the majority of people in America who call themselves Christians. In fact, the church encourages it. The church has brought the world into the church and made a business of it. They have prostituted the body of Christ. If we're going to have a new kind of church, we're going to have to have a new kind of virtue, a life of a new kind of virtue. Let me explain what I mean. As those disciples stood there, looking up into the sky, they knew that their life as fishermen, as a tax collector, they knew their lives were over. And they were brokenhearted that Jesus left. They didn't quite know how to handle that. But they knew that this Jesus that had just ascended into the sky was going to return in the same manner he left. He was going to come in the clouds of heaven. He had told them this in Matthew 24. They knew they could not return to their normal life. And we do not find Peter and other disciples going back to the Sea of Galilee and jumping on their fishing boats. Their life was over. And the 120, their lives were over. When you come to Jesus Christ, if you're truly going to be his disciple, then your life is forfeit. That's why I shared with you the, the story of a woman who was baptizing another woman. And she looked at her very seriously in the face and said, are you ready, are you ready to die for Jesus? Yes. And she baptized her. And she came up rejoicing. Her life was over. She could never return to a normal life. The normal life of this world was over. You can't go back to that life. You can't go back to the fornication. You can't go back to the bitterness and the anger and the fighting. You can't go back to judging and criticizing. You can't go back to smoking and drinking and drugging. You can't go back to the pornography. You now have to become a whole new person. Romans, the sixth chapter. You can't live your normal life. 
Now, many of you are going to have difficulty with what I'm saying to you because you have become a Christian and you have corrected certain things in your life, but now you are living a normal life. Your primary goal is to work and earn money and take care of your family and your life. That's not true of a Christian. The Christian is remembering the words of Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, the things the pagans run after, will be given to you. In other words, your life is no longer consumed by the task of earning your daily bread. Your life is no longer consumed with family and friends. Your life is over. Now, please understand me. I was thinking about this as I was going to sleep last night. And I said, you know what? I know how to host an event. We go rent a venue that will seat several thousand people. We get a nationally known worship leader, a wonderful musician. We advertise the event on, on radio and television. We have a team put together who will handle parking, greeting, seating, we have our sound technicians in, in place. We're ready to go. And now the preacher comes, and we have wonderful worship music, and we have a preacher who will preach holiness, even holiness. And we've had a wonderful event. That's not what they did. They could have done that. They could have held events in Jerusalem. They could have gone to the temple courts, announced a meeting for everybody who had heard Jesus, everyone who, who loved Jesus, come. We're going to hold a big event. We're going to have praise and worship and dancing. We're going to have wonderful, wonderful times together as we celebrate Jesus Christ. And we're going to tell about how he ascended into the heavens and how he told us he's coming back again. That's not what they did. That's the way to hold an event. That's not the way to have a new kind of church. Now, if we look in the scriptures, we find in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, came together to pray and the first church was a prayer meeting. 
If you're still wanting to go to a worship service and not to a prayer meeting, you will not be a part of a new kind of church. The new kind of church must begin according to the book of Acts as a prayer meeting, a supplication for the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus talked about this in John, the 14th chapter. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Oh, now Jesus is telling us it's not just the Holy Spirit coming. It's the Holy Spirit moving in and taking charge. I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands obeys them. He is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then we find in John, the 16th chapter. All of this I've told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. They just, they just know religion. And as religionists, they stand opposed to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You can check yourself. If you're saying that I have received everything I needed when I was baptized, I don't mean to offend you, but you're a religionist. You don't understand the scriptures and you're grieving God's heart. Verse four, I've told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Where's he going? Well, he's going first to the cross then he's going to go to the Father. Where are you going? Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The counselor had already come to the apostles. They'd performed miracles in the name of Jesus. 
that his fullness had not come. They'd all been baptized, but they'd not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the work of the Holy Spirit, when he comes in you, will be through you to convict the world of guilt. So the message of this new kind of church is not first, Jesus loves you. The first message of this new kind of church is to say to the ungodly, you know you are shut out of heaven. You must repent. Guilt, sin, righteousness, judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. If you don't believe in Jesus, it's hard to believe in sin. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. Jesus' very presence convicted the world of their sin. And now he's saying, the Holy Spirit is going to come and be in you in such a manner that the world will be convicted of its sin. Because I'm going to the Father. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So the message of this new kind of church is going to be, first of all, you cannot be saved because you are a sinner and you are bound for hell. Sin is in the hands of an angry God. Secondly, by your life, by the righteousness of your life, men are going to be convicted And in regard to judgment, because the decision has already been made that Satan will be cast into the pit of hell and that all who follow him will join him in the pit of hell. That's why I started today by saying, you've got to make a decision. You've got to come face to face with the question are you going to submit to Jesus and his gospel of the kingdom or will you pursue a worldly life? You cannot pursue a worldly life and have Jesus. The church in my day has tried to have it both ways. We have tried desperately to have new converts to the church, to do the work of the gospel, but we've been powerless. And we've had no virtue in our prayers. Our prayers have been shallow because our lives are shallow. 
because we're spending our time and energy pursuing the things of this world. Pursuing our own pleasure. We cannot do that and have a new kind of church. Now, we could start a new kind of church today, a church called a cowboy church, or it's already a cowboy church, or we could call it another thing. A church for diners. A church for whatever. And have the focus of that church be whatever we decide the world wants. That's what the modern church is. The modern church has become a business of serving its customers and keeping them happy. So if the cross has to go, it has to go. If the ritual is everything and the Eucharist is everything, then we have to have that every Sunday. We have to hold it every week. We have to follow the, the ritual. I was sitting in an Anglican church and I watched as the associate pastor went forward, a big hunk of a guy, and he, he took the, the bread and he, he lifted up very dramatically above his head and he broke the bread and he said, broken in the name of Jesus. It was all hype. Spirit wasn't there. It was entertainment. It was drama. People loved it. They rushed forward to get their bite of bread and their little drink of grape juice. But after they left, they lived their life the way they chose to live it. One woman I talked with after the service was so excited about NASCAR. Oh, she's going to watch the NASCAR races. Another man was on his way with some brothers to have an evening of, of cards and gambling with nickels and, and smoking cigars. Entertainment. Another man was headed home to watch the football game. Another a basketball game, another whatever his sport of choice was. That's the old church. all hype there's no virtue no virtue in our prayers in the old church I've watched year after year as the church has prayed for the Holy Spirit quoted the Corinthians or the Chronicles passage hold special Holy Spirit meetings Nothing happens. Why? No repentance. No humility of heart. No giving up of life. If you want to be a Christian, you're going to have to give up your life. You can't keep your life and be a Christian. Well, God told me I had to, I had to do this. It was my responsibility. Are you sure it was God? Because it's just carrying your old life. And you're wearing yourself out in your old life. Not in the grace of Jesus. Not in the Holy Spirit. 
the spirit of truth that comes. I must have the spirit of truth. And I'm going to do everything in my power with great discipline and determination to make certain that every part of my life has been turned over to Jesus and that I do not walk in any way in the arrogance of thinking that I'm okay. I'm not okay. How are you, Pastor? I'm not good right now, thank you. What do you mean? I'm lonely. I'm lonely for the Holy Spirit. I'm lonely for Jesus. I'm not okay. My life is in Jesus. My life is not in my work. My work is all for Jesus. Oh, brother and sister. I remember the first prayer meeting I ever really attended. Oh, I attended lots as a child, but they weren't real prayer meetings. What do I mean? Well, the pastor would stand up and he would speak for quite a while. And then he'd say, okay, well, let's kneel and let's pray for a little bit. A few people would pray. The same old, same old. And my, my father became very upset with me because as they would pray, I would begin to speak their prayer with them because I'd heard the same prayer so many times, I'd memorized all of their prayers. And so I would, I would scorn them by repeating their prayers at the same time they were praying their prayers. And then I was called by the Holy Spirit to go to Weimar, Switzerland, to Le Brief under Francis Schaeffer. Oz Guinness was there that night, the great theologian. I expected he would speak at the prayer meeting. So we were all crowded in the chalet. The floor was filled with all of us sitting on the floor. And Oz Guinness, Oz Guinness stood up, and I expected then great a great sermon, a great message. All he said was, let's pray. And for the next two hours, we sat together in that chalet in Weimar, Switzerland, and we cried aloud to the Lord God of heaven. We prayed our hearts with tears. We prayed. I didn't get to be a part of another prayer meeting until the Jesus movement. It's hard to find people who will be honest and pray. I don't know very many people who pray. Oh, I, in the old church prayers, yes. No, I'm talking about a new kind of, a new kind of church, a church of virtue, where your heart is exposed and where your mind is open and where your heart is is ready to receive whatever God has for you. And you know you can't make it 
the next week without these brothers and sisters praying with you and for you. You understand what I'm saying to you? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to come face to face with the question, will you submit to Jesus Christ and the demands of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom of God, or will you pursue a worldly life? And almost everyone I know is pursuing a worldly life as they are a part of the old church. And it's not going to be easy to pry them out of that. And frankly, I'm not going to try. Instead, I'm going to choose, I am choosing and I am vowing to meet the conditions of prayer for the infilling power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I am turning my back on the world, the flesh, and the devil. I am turning my back on the old church. I will not continue in any way to be a part of it. I am only interested in the church of Acts, the New Testament church, wherever that leads me. I am not going to be a part of the world and try to be a part of a new church of virtue. Now, what are the conditions? Well, let me outline for you some of the conditions. One, you have to be willing to pray in faith, believing that what you have prayed for you have received Luke the 11th chapter. You must expect God to answer your prayer. I expect God to answer my prayer for you who are listening that you will choose to be a part of the new church, the body of Christ whether that's in Oklahoma or Washington, D.C. or Alaska or San Jose, that wherever you are, you will choose to be a part of the church, the new church of virtue, of integrity, of living what you say you are, without compromise. Now, during the great Welsh revival, there were several things that Evan Roberts said 
were necessary if we wanted to see revival and if we wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share these with you. If you've not heard them before, grab a pen and write them down. These are the four principles for revival that were used and taught by Evan Roberts, the leader of the great Welsh revival. Number one, confess every known sin, my sin. Get really honest with God about who you are. Get honest about how you have been playing in the world. Some of you have found great comfort in having fun. In being with people who are not Christians. In doing things that are not Christian. Being in a way that you are not advancing the kingdom of God, but you are simply advancing your own pride. Confess every known sin, my sin. And my sin is anything that excludes Jesus Christ from what I'm doing. He will not participate in ungodliness. dad always said to me, Raymond, don't go to the movie houses. Well, when I became an adult, I went to the movie houses. And I discovered in the movie houses that there was a clean place physically clean, except for maybe popcorn on the floor. So why did Dad say, don't go to the movie houses? Well, before he died, I was able to ask him that question. He said, because Jesus will not enter the door of the movie house, so you are going in there alone, and you are responsible for what the devil does to you. And so you're going to see images that will be seared into your heart and into your mind. Scenes of murder and mayhem, scenes of violence, scenes of, scenes of sexual uncleanness. You're going to see all kinds of things, and you are responsible for how you have seared your soul with all of those things that you should not have seen. There is much in our culture that we should not look at. Remember what happened to Cana because of the uncovering of, of Noah. God is very concerned about our privacy. And he doesn't want us exposed. He doesn't want shame. He wants us to have dignity. I now regret the many movies I used to go to because those scenes are still in my mind. How many murders have I watched on television and in the, movie, in the movies with utter wickedness? And I, 
I've had to ask Jesus if he would heal my mind of all of those wicked images that I filled my heart with. They make a man insensitive to the things of God. So, one of the conditions is that you must confess every known sin, every wickedness that's in your mind or your body or your heart. Number two, you must immediately put aside every doubtful habit. I have begun to form a doubtful habit of going by mom's fresh pies and buying a piece of cherry crumb pie once a week. I knew it was not good for me. I knew sugar was not good for me. And after doing that for a number of weeks in a row, I had formed a habit, and without even thinking, I'd head to mom's on Monday night and get a piece of cherry crumb pie. And the Holy Spirit said to me, stop it. It was a doubtful habit. It was not improving my health. It was tearing down my health. Every doubtful habit, whether it's gambling, movies, oh, pastor, there are good things on television. We watch the History Channel. Yeah, what do you do with, with the unclean parts? And what do you do with the unclean ads that you're going to watch? And what do you do with the wasted time you're going to spend instead of in prayer and scripture and, and searching after Jesus? You're going to heaven? Is that where you want to go? Or are you going to live a worldly life? Are you going to give yourself Searching for Jesus? Put aside every doubtful habit immediately. Drop it. Just cut it off. There's only one way to deal with a doubtful habit, and that's amputation. That's what Jesus said. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. In other words, amputate that sin. Don't play with it. Don't argue for it. Number three, obey the Holy Spirit promptly. Whatever he says to me, I will obey promptly, immediately. I have a friend, and I've noticed something about him. If he's doing something that he should not be doing, and he is corrected for doing it, by his boss, by a friend, by his wife. It's immediately changed. He sets the sail and changes it instantly. There's no, there's no argument. There's no defense. He obeys the Holy Spirit promptly. And then number four. 
trust Jesus Christ If you tell me I've not won anyone to Jesus in the past year, the past five years, ten years, I've not won anyone to Jesus, then you are blocking the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It should be a regular event in your life to win people to Jesus Christ. And if that's not a part of your regular life, if you're not testifying to Jesus, even if you don't win them, if you're not testifying, if you're not bearing witness in your work, I'm not talking about bopping people with the Bible. I'm talking about honestly confessing the name of Jesus Christ. People confess the name of Jesus as a curse word constantly in today's culture. They use the F word. They use all kinds of unclean language. Certainly you can use the name of Jesus Christ and testify that he is your Lord and Savior and that you trust him and that you are on your way to heaven and you're concerned about that soul that you're speaking with. This week, I've been helping very poor and they're not Christians she says she's a Christian but she's not really a Christian she's the old church and then just barely they're together they're not married and the Lord finally gave me the words to speak to them and say do you realize the money that I've been helping you with that money belongs to Jesus Christ. And he's sending it to you. Now, you understand you have a responsibility to respond to Jesus? You have a responsibility to get cleaned up before him. Your life has to change. Things have to change for you. Or, I can tell you now, Jesus will no longer give you any kind of help in this situation in your life. Oh, pastor, you mean, you mean you're being conditional with your help? Yes, I have unconditional. No, I have conditional love. I don't waste the Lord's money for people who desire to go to hell. Why would I? And if a person is not willing to clean their life up, if a person is not willing to change when they've been confronted with the gospel and they've been confronted with the kindness of God, if that kindness does not lead them to repentance, then I will not have anything more to do with them. I will cut them off. See, I'm not a do-gooder. I'm not a do-gooder. I'm not an NGO. I believe in helping people who are dying. And I witness and I testify. And after a period of time, I give them an opportunity. I give them an opportunity 
if they haven't done it, to begin cleaning up their lives. Throwing the cigarettes out. Getting married. Or breaking the relationship. I give people an opportunity to begin to change their lives. And I'm willing to help them change their lives. But if they're not willing to do that, I'm out of there. Don't call me again. You're on your way to hell. Now, I don't say this to be harsh. I say this. There's an old saying, some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. I don't say that in a cavalier way. I say that to just simply say, I'm here to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to help people survive and live in the devil's kingdom. I'm here for their deliverance. I'm here for their reformation. I'm here for men and women to get right with Jesus and to begin to pray with virtue. Most prayers are not answered in the old church because there's no virtue in the prayer. There's no life of righteousness to walk in, to walk in righteousness. There's no interest in righteousness. here to help people like that. I'm here to help people get cleaned up and get right with Jesus. So people have to make a decision. I want virtue in prayer. When someone prays, I want them to be praying the truth, not just nice words. Not pretty words. Speak the truth when you pray. Oh, my brother, my sister. This new church of virtue that we're looking at has to be made up of men and women who recognize that their life is over. That they're not going to live a normal life. They're going to live a new life in Christ Jesus. And now we're ready to go the next step. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. Hmm. We're at the end of the month. And we're still a long ways from having the money to pay for the radio bill. And I thank each one of you who has sacrificed, sent tithe and offerings. For I pray that we can be on the air again next month. So if you have not given, and the Holy Spirit is calling you, if you need this kind of message for your heart, and you want to be a part of the new church, then write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 
877-622-2195. And also, you can go to our webpage, and there will be a button there for donate, and you can give online. I hope today's been helpful to you. It's been straight, it's been honest, it's been virtuous, it's been just, it's been loving. I pray today's been helpful. God bless you. I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory with great joy. At WAV.